Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Interesting People Podcast. We're going local today. I am joined by a member of the Frederick Children's Chorus. Good morning. Good morning. So for people not familiar with the chorus and you, what is your name? What do you guys do? My name is Lee DuBose Fewer, and we are a local organization that assists with children who want to sing more, more than is available in their school or if they're homeschooled. We are their musical outlet. We teach children to sing anywhere from ages 3 to 18. Wow. Three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you guys, so how do you guys separate that out? Do you have like a different name for the younger kids or is everybody singing together? We do. We have five tiers. Ooh. So the first tier is called Little Music Makers. And within Little Music Makers, we have two separate classes, one for three to five-year-olds and one for K through two. And the three to five-year-olds is a beautiful introduction to music and movement and the concept of rhythm and instruments and listening and repeating patterns and, and songs and vocalizing up into their high voice, which is not something that we do normally when we speak. But children do it naturally, and so we teach them to access that high voice in that very, very young preschool class. And then the K through 2 children, they sing with us once a week for 12 weeks, and then they do a little concert. And that's an introduction to performance, how to walk in a line how to stand on a stage, how to not wave at your parent. (laughs) (laughs) And so they get the introduction to what would become, if they decide to come on and continue with us, the beginning of performance practice and how to perform. And then the next tier is called training chorus, and they are typically 9 through 11-year-olds, but we say 3rd grade through 6th grade, generally speaking, because birthdays vary. And those children sing with us also once a week, and they spend two hours with us. One hour is a rehearsal, and the other hour is a class. We're teaching them how to read it off the page. We're teaching them the basics of musicianship, how to sight read. What does a half note mean? What does a quarter note mean? What is this rest called? What is this note called on the scale? So that when they look at a piece of sheet music, they can pick it up and they can sing it. So we begin that instruction at about third grade. And then the next tier is called concert chorus. And they are upper level singers who have sung with us in the training chorus for at least a year. They're just more advanced and we're doing more advanced songs, more advanced material in their class. They also stay a little later into the evening so they're a little older which is okay for a later bedtime and the last tier is called the frederick chamber singers and they are all high school girls and boys whose voices have changed and i say that because sometimes boys voices change in seventh and eighth grade and so when their voice starts to shift and adjust we move them to the high school ensemble so that they can sing in what is their natural voice is there any kind of learning curve for the boys that kind of skip ahead there is because they have to learn how to read in the bass clef and as a child, they don't do that because they sing in the treble clef, so they sing up in the high register like children do. So there is a bit of a learning curve. The other change that they experience when they move into the chamber singers is that we don't provide rehearsal recordings for them for all of their songs anymore. So that at that point, they should have the skills they need to be able to read their music and sing their music without a vocal model for everything. We do provide them with some recordings, but not all of the recordings, which is preparatory for college, because in college, you don't get rehearsal recordings mm-hmm. from your college professor. So if they go on to college, whether they major in music or not, and they sing with an organization, either the college or a local chorus, a local adult choir, they don't get rehearsal recordings. So as high schoolers, we're preparing them to go off into the world and be able to read music off the page. Do you see more girls, more boys? Is it kind of equal? Well, that's a good question. The national average in children's choruses across the country is about 10% boys and 90% girls. We see some years where we're as much as 50%. A traditional year for us is about 25% boys. It's higher than the national average. And 
And I will tell you that the boys are celebrated. Like, you wouldn't believe how many boys come to us going, oh, well, I don't know. My mom says I should do this. And they find that they are in such a circle of trust, that they love what they're doing, and the children love singing with them. And we like to highlight the boys because I don't know why more boys don't sing. Because Mm -hmm. when boys sing well, they get so much attention. They are celebrated, I think, more because it's not as common, because it's a little bit more rare. But our boys form a bond together, and it's really wonderful to see them become friends. And I will tell you that the boys that sing in our chorus for more than a few years, they learn how to work together with girls. And in any job, in any office building, the boss will tell you that the number one most important trait that a new hire would have is being able to work as a team. And that's basically what we do as a chorus is that we work as a team. And sometimes there are outstanding people as a soloist or a speaker or a narrator in some cases. But generally speaking, we are working towards a common goal as a team and everybody has a part to play. And the boys learn to work together with girls, whereas if they were just to do a boy sport, they don't learn that skill. And so it's really one of the more critical things that I think is not, it's not on our flyers, it's not on our business cards. That that's one of the really important things they learn is how to work together with a a group of other people. And I've kind of seen that. I've been to a couple of your guys' shows and friends with a couple of the members. And one of the things it is that you you have that tight-knit feel. Other than singing and working together, do you guys do any other kind of stuff? to help kind of foster that kind of relationship between everybody? We do. We have social events and we run fundraisers together that benefit the chorus or the community or the chorus members. We travel to different cities and we participate in other festivals where it's not a competition. It's just a bunch of children's choruses coming together under the direction of a guest conductor for the purpose of singing together. And so they get to meet children from all other cities, other other countries sometimes, and experience a new location. We get to do, like, for instance, we go to New York. We do festivals in New York. We've done a festival in Denver. We've been to New Orleans a couple times, just to name a few. And it's a wonderful experience and a bonding experience. And those children that travel, they become tighter knit with those kids that went on the trip with them because they experienced something that was extraordinary and life changing and they'll never forget it. And one of the things that we ask the alumni to do when we come together every five years is to tell us what is their favorite memory of being in chorus. And a large percentage of them say traveling. So between the Little Museum and everybody, the Little Museum, they wear the red t-shirts, right? That's right. They do. <laughs> and then one step up are the kids in the adorable like purple vests. Yes. Who, who designed the incredible look oh, of the children's course? Well, we've had lots of looks over the years. Uh, we started with just black on the bottom and white on the top. The Chamber Singers has gone through a variety of different costumes. I think we've had three or four since 1995 when that group was conceptualized. The vests were all handmade at one point by a chorus parent who was a costume mistress. We do a summer camp every summer and it's part of the Parks and Rec Department, the County Parks and Rec Department. So children sign up through the County Recreator to be part of our summer chorus camp. We do one at the Walkersville Rec Center, which is at Walkersville Elementary School. And the other one is at the Middletown Primary School where there's another rec center. And it's a one-week program from 9 to 3 and at the end of the week they perform a concert. And so for a while that costume mistress created costumes for us for shows and concerts that we had. And then when we started doing summer camp, we started using all those costumes. <laughs> and now we get the vests from another company. So if, you were, if you're very sharp at a concert, you might see a couple of different designed Ooh. vests. But it's not terribly obvious, but we do have a couple versions. They're very close. And then the concert chorus and the chamber singers have what we would consider a more mature costume mm-hmm. uh, uniform that they wear. 
So summer camp is about $130 for a whole week of camp. It's one mm-hmm. of the cheapest camps out there. We want it to be inexpensive because we want it to be accessible to everyone. And it's a wonderful opportunity to try us out and audition us for your child. So you can come in for a week of camp. It's so much fun. There are games. Thursday is water day. Everybody loves water day. <laughs> and at the end of the day, everybody has their bathing suits on and we have a water balloon fight. It's totally not musical. But we do lots of musical activities, lots of artistic activities. There's always a theme. And we've done heroes and villains. We've done pirates. <laughs> we did island hopping one year. One year we did a road trip down Route 66 and sang songs that were characteristic of that time period. We used sets and costumes and some of the art that the children produce during the week is used in the concert. This last year we did Animal Imagination and they had the parents donate all kinds of scrap recyclable materials. So cardboard and tubes and newspapers and they created animals with all of this trash. (laughs) And it was on display at the concert and it was beautiful. Some of the artwork was just outstanding. And they used handprint art on their t-shirts and made animals with handprint art. Oh, okay. And it was just amazing how many different ways... They could fit art and music together in the same week in the same theme and how many different ways they could use it. So the summer camp is a great audition opportunity. And we don't audition our children. That's a really big question that we get asked. Are we an auditioned choir? No, we are not. Anybody who wants to sing with the Frederick Children's Chorus can sing with the Frederick Children's Chorus. We do ask that older children who join us later ages 8th grade and up, Mm -hmm. participate in an evaluation. And we evaluate, are they ready for this group or that group? What is the best place to put them in so that they're successful? Because that's really important. We don't want any child to be frustrated or fail. That's not the goal. The goal is to bring them along and start them where they are and meet them where they are and start from there and move forward. So if you're working from three-year-old to teenagers, do you guys prefer to start with the kids being younger or can somebody walk in at any age Of course, starting early is better. It becomes sort of an immersion program. You think of it like a language because music is a language. And if somebody who's, say, 13 or 14 has never really seen sheet music before, it's going to take them a lot longer to catch up with the kids who've been doing it for 10 years. So immersion is better. We really encourage children to start young. And it's funny. I was talking to another parent about this the other day. When And I have children of my own. They're very small. And so when they're very small, you take them to the library and you go to the shows at the Baker Park Amphitheater theater and everything is free and you kind of get into the rhythm of everything is free and then when you start taking them to things that start to cost money parents kind of go oh but everything is free what we do the things we do are free right yeah so part of it is training parents to the idea that as the kids get older they will have to pay for services for activities for their kid and part of it is that we like to introduce that concept at the three-year-old age so for the little music makers preschool program and for the K through 2 program we offer free classes every now and again so people can come in and we can try it and they can see what we do but if you want to stay then you should pay for it a little at a time it's not a lot and and those younger ages they benefit so much more by having it early i don't personally ever remember learning how to read music off the page it was just something we always did and so that's the idea they they don't remember when they learned how to read music because it just happened it was so easy and natural the brain between ages three and ten is the most flexible Mm -hmm. and the more things they do between three and ten relating to music and math and language the more they'll be able to use it later in life even if there's a gap So if they do something between the ages of 3 and 10 and then they stop doing it for 15 years, 
when they go back to it later and pick it up later, it's actually easier for their brain to assimilate those facts and that information because the neurons are still there Mm -hmm. from when they got wired in when they were a child. Do you guys run on a semester system like you want people to sign up at one point and they work for an entire chunk of time? Like you don't want people joining in partway through, right? Right. We do a fall semester and a spring semester. As an older member, so starting at uh, grade three with our training chorus, we ask people to sign a year contract. It's very similar to any dance school or any karate school in the county. They're with us basically during the school year. So we start at the end of August and we finish at the beginning of May. And the younger children are on 12-week and six-week rotations because at that age, they're sort of trying things and Mm -hmm. sampling different opportunities. And so the older kids are committed for a year. We do sometimes add singers in January when we start new programs, and we don't limit enrollment to people who are living in Frederick in July. Uh, (laughs) So if somebody moves in in the middle of the season, they can join us in January. Or if they didn't hear about us until now, you know, here on this podcast, then they can join us in January. And we typically have a handful of children who start in January, and, and that usually goes very well. Frederick can mean a lot of different things. You guys based in downtown. You based what part of Frederick can people find you? We use the church location next to the tasting room. It's called Evangelical Reformed United Church of Christ. And if anybody drives downtown regularly, they'll notice that it's been under construction for a while. They also own Trinity Chapel, which is across the street. And we are the single largest users of the building. The church has allowed us to use their space since 1985, free of charge. It's part of their community mission Mm. to offer their space to community groups like ours. And they're so proud that we their home or that they're our home (laughs) and they brag about us it's wonderful so all rehearsals happen there and so we're very very central children don't have to live in frederick in order to participate so we sometimes will have carroll county washington county northern virginia montgomery county people coming from a little bit outside the county because they like what we're doing or people who were with us and then moved outside the county and continue to sing with us so we have both of those scenarios that happen Looking forward to fall, a couple of things that I know are coming up. Off the top of my head, there's the uh, Messiah sing-along, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. How many weeks away is that? Scare me how, how less oh, is Oh, it's left December 19th. It's the Tuesday before Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's always the Tuesday or Wednesday before Christmas or mon- sometimes Monday, depending on when we can get the Weinberg Center. This is our 23rd year doing that program, and it's a wonderful Christmas tradition. It brings people in from out of town and down in the Washington area and up in Hagerstown. They come in for it. It's a great opportunity to eat in downtown Frederick and then come over over and sing together. And even if you're not a singer, you get to benefit from the surround sound because it's a sing-along. So people bring their score and we have a live orchestra of professional local musicians. And the stage chorus is our high school group from the children's chorus. And then we have four soloists that we bring in from the region. They're up and coming professionals in their field. And it's wonderful to see the new soloists that we have every year. And it's exciting to find out who it's going to be. Sometimes they're locals. Sometimes they went to high school right here and went away for college or master's, and then they're back. And then we also perform at the Festival of Lights that the Frederick City puts on when they light the Christmas tree in front of City Hall. We perform there every year. We are on the Historic House Tour in the beginning of December, the 2nd and 3rd of December. We are also performing at the Historic Houses of Worship Tour, which is the day after Christmas. Oh, And it's fantastic. a wonderful event. We perform at the Methodist Church across from Tally Rec, downtown on Ben Street. And our Christmas concert, it's not really a Christmas concert. It's a winter concert. And we perform music from all different cultures. And that is the 9th and 10th of December. And we perform in St. Catherine Drexel, which is the new Catholic church out Possum Town Pike. So one performance is at St. Catherine Drexel, and the second performance is at St. John's in downtown Frederick. And we've performed at almost all of the churches in downtown Frederick over the years. It's really wonderful. And there's wonderful acoustics in a lot of those yes. churches. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
you guys sing in multiple languages too. Uh, mm-hmm. I th- off the top of my head, I think I've heard you guys do Spanish. You guys have done German, I believe, at one of the shows I've been at. Mm-hmm. I guess you don't really need to speak it to sing it, do you? No, but it does make speaking it later a whole lot easier. This fall, we're doing French and Yiddish as part of our program, not together in the same song. <laughs> <laughs> I think we counted once and we've sung in over 45 different languages. And that includes all of the African dialects. Some of them don't even have words. They're just like clicking noises. Oh, um, yeah. So we've done those too. Um, a lot of conductors and music teachers from around the world have traveled to remote villages and recorded and documented cultural songs from tribes and small towns and villages and historic folk music and made it available for children's chorus, which is wonderful because then we get to have a conversation about that culture. So one of the things that we do in chorus is not just sing, but we talk about where did this song come from? Why was it written? Where did it originate? Why was it important to that culture? And that's one of my favorite rehearsals to have is that we learn the music and then we start breaking down the nitty-gritty and the small details and we talk about why is this important why is it important that we pronounce it correctly where does it come from in history why was it relevant in that portion of history so that's that's really exciting for us to to teach the history and the culture of a piece or the poem it's a text by say langston hughes we get to talk about langston hughes and why he was important in our history really fun that's fantastic i love that you guys are giving context all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff i remember last year you guys did a little bit of scatting too who made that decision that you were gonna shibi bop 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 oh it's <laughs> so fun to break it up and do some jazz we did an entire concert of broadway one year so it's really nice to expose our singers to a multitude of cultures and different genres of music through all periods of history, non-discriminant. Well, I think one of the things that may catch people off guard the first time they go to a Frederick Children's Chorus show, and the thing that caught me off guard because I was going to see a friend, is that you guys are real good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really, really good show. I think a, a lot of people probably hear children and they immediately think of, oh, it's the good ship lollipop or any of the kind of things like the the joke here, like you'll never hear anything quite like an elementary school <laughs> singing but and there like, are some really good elementary schools out there but the stereotypical yeah. thing that people think of as elementary school chorus is sort of you they're, know they found a key that doesn't exist anywhere but in that room yeah. and that's what they're doing but when you go to one of the shows it's really even the younger kids too have just a level of talent that is just almost mind-blowing especially up to the top like one you know the, the highest level one the chamber singers mm-hmm. those feel like that you could have seen you you would well you're already paying for the shows but you feel like you could have seen them at a different venue and if you didn't know they were part of a children's chorus you almost wouldn't believe it with Absolutely. some of the students yeah and our singers have sung with professional musicians who who do tour gigs for instance Judy Collins who some of your older listeners will know <laughs> came through Frederick a few years ago ahead of her gig her manager contacted the Weinberg Center and said you know at each of our locations we like to have some kids singing on stage do you have a children's chorus or a you know a school chorus or something that you could loop us in with and immediately the Weinberg Center sent him our way and we prepared a very large book of songs actually they were mostly Christmas carols but it, they were her arrangements and so our kids had to learn a new version of songs they already knew which is actually harder than learning something brand new <laughs> and we got to sing on stage with Judy Collins at her concert at the Weinberg Center and people didn't even know that it was us we did an Irish folk violinist a few years ago too she came through town and 
and asked for the same thing, some singers on stage. And we did a prep rehearsal, which was about 20 minutes. And that was all the rehearsal time we got. And the kids went on and you wouldn't know that they weren't professionals. Well, there you go. That's another thing to think. If you're an artist listening to this and you need some backup kid singers and you're coming to town, keep the uh, Frederick Children's Chorus in mind. Absolutely. We haven't really touched on it. It's been around since 1985. Mm -hmm. How did it really get its start and how has it changed over the years? At the time, the Choral Arts Society of Frederick was doing a program and they were having trouble with audience numbers. And Judy DeBose, the director, was the director of that group at the time. And she suggested that they do a piece that included children because when you include children, automatically your audience numbers are going to go up. So they did. And the audience numbers went up. And there were 13 Mm. children who participated in that very first concert. And from there, it started to grow. And it went from 13 to over 85 singers in a matter of five years. Just word of mouth and music teachers recommending people and flyers on the board at the library. Frederick was small then. And so people found out things by word of mouth a lot. We didn't have social media, of course. And so after about five years, the choral arts said, this is really difficult to manage. There are too many children. They broke it off as a separate organization. So in 1990, the Frederick Children's Chorus was incorporated as a nonprofit. And so we've been a separate organization since then. So you're not only looking for new members, right? You're also probably looking for donations of volunteers? Yes, absolutely. We're always looking for new volunteers. We're a nonprofit organization. So the tuition that families pay pays for about 50% of the actual cost that it takes to teach a child. And the goal of the organization is to make it affordable for any family so that any child can participate no matter what their financial standing is. We do have a scholarship program. It's funded by a variety of grants and donations, private donations and corporate donations. And we also have the opportunity to be presenting sponsors at the Messiah Sing Along. Well, thank you so much for your time. You guys got a lot of shows. You got a lot of stuff coming up. Where should people go next? Facebook is a really good opportunity to see what we're doing. We post pictures of our rehearsals every week, little snippets of each class, each age group. You can find us on Facebook at the Frederick Children's Corps. Our website is currently under redesign, so look for that probably early December, a new website to be launched. I'm really excited about that. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Thanks so much. You too.